Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We are about to start in five, four, three, two, one. Oh, I'm tripping. Five, four, three, two, one. How? 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 And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my co-host, Big Sarge. I had to, <laughs> but I'm still going off of the, the intro, man. That, that gets me every time. I've been practicing, too. You know, I'm going to ask Janet Jackson because it's her song. I don't know if I got to ask Janet or Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. But I want to ask them, can we just use that five, four, three, two, one? Just use that in general, like the whole hand movements and everything. <laughs> I'm not learning the dance, though. I am not learning the entire dance. I'll just do the beginning part. I mean, it's cool because I know majority of the dance because that's one of those videos where she looked like her older brother. Uh, 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 we all know who that is. The seventh child of the Jacksons that, you know, is the only one that's like literally at the top of all music games, by the way. Go ahead, sorry. I'm putting my finger over your lip like, <laughs> oh, oh, it's okay. That's it's because everybody, you know, understands. Everybody agrees, and you know, there's no one better. But you know, that's not the top for another day. You know, this isn't believe in Michael Jackson or the Jacksons or Janet Jackson, which I will be perfectly fine if they launch that show. This is believe in the Rockets, <laughs> and on this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, Sarge and myself are going to look at why the Houston Rockets will not be in the running for Victor Wimbiyama. Yes, we understand this is probably, arguably, if not the most um, impressive draft prospect since LeBron James 20 years ago. And by the way, it's crazy to say since LeBron James 20 years ago. And this man is still just as good as he was 20 years ago. A little bit of a decline, but um, that that's remarkable within itself. But, you know, we're going to share our thoughts on why the Houston Rockets will not be in the running for Victor. But on this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, we're going to get this installment kicked off with a look at the importance of John Lucas with the Houston Rockets. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football is back and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. And you'll find the latest odds, matchup information, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long and as always bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like the mlb mma tennis boxing and even golf so head on over to betonline.ag today and receive your 100 welcome bonus with your first deposit just make sure you use the promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your reward because bet online is where the game starts so last Tuesday, Sarge and myself, of course, we had an opportunity to go to the Houston Rockets practice. And we was told by assistant coach John Lucas that coach Steven Silas was not in attendance due to the NBA's health and safety protocol and that he was taking over as the Rockets head coach amid his return. Um, today is Thursday. Steven Silas came back on Wednesday. I really did not understand how important John Lucas has been to this organization and still is to this organization up until 
the previous week and all throughout the offseason. Because, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, I just thought John Lucas was just a Rockets alumni, a Rockets legend that they just kept around the team, you know, through whether it was during the um, T-Mac and Yao years, during the Kevin Martin years, of course, during the James Harden years, and now through the um, Jalen Green and, and Kevin Porter Jr. years. I just thought he was there just to be somewhat of, not not more so of an assistant, but more so of a, vo- a, vo- a voice that players can go to, especially if they're struggling with personal stuff, because as you guys know John Lucas, one of the greatest talents um, back in the day, but, you know, had to overcome a lot of adversities in, in his life in order to be the man that he is today. But, you know, it wasn't until I want to say going back to, to May of this year where we started hearing that the Rockets were having offseason and some of uh, voluntary workout programs. And it wasn't Coach Steven Silas, but it was actually John Lucas running the show and every time we talk to a player the player rather that's Kevin rather that's um Elperin Shagoon rather that's Josh Christopher Jalen Green now Jabari Smith Tari Tata every time we ask them about their offseason workout programs we ask about their development throughout this past year they always bring up one person name and that's coach John Lucas and after experiencing him be a head coach for this organization, of course, like I mentioned, filling in for Steven Silas, that's when you really saw how important he w- he was to that organization. Um, Sarge, before I give the floor over, over to you, after the Rockets preseason victory against the Toronto Raptors, I had an opportunity to ask um, Kevin Porter Jr., you know, how much has John Lucas helped him in not only his development off the court, but also his development on the court, especially with him making that transition from um, being a shooting guard to a point guard. And this is what he had to say. Tell me, um, since I've been here, since I've been a Rocket, you know, my game and my, <clears throat> my playmaker as a point guard has definitely elevated, I, I would say, um, since I stepped in. It's been good um, just having that one-on-one time with John because he is a legend now. Uh, he's a Houston legend. And uh, he was the first... Um, first pick, not first round, but he was the first pick um, before. So he definitely have a lot under his belt and a lot of knowledge and wisdom to uh, take in. And if you guys have not noticed, over these first three preseason games, um, Kevin Porter Jr. has looked a lot more calm, off the full, off the court as well, but on the court, you could tell that he is definitely approaching the game with a different mindset and a different demeanor. And, you know, like I mentioned, every player on this team, credits John Lucas for their development. However, Kevin Porter Jr. is the prime example as to why John Lucas has always been important to this organization, but more importantly now, since this team is in a rebuild, while he, why he is still important for not only the players, but of, but of course for Steven Silas as well. Well, to piggyback off of what you said, um, and I'm going to use Kevin first, and then I'll, you know, address some of the other things that you said. Uh, with Kevin, it's because John sees a lot of himself in Kevin. Um, you know, John Lucas was a former number one overall draft pick, you know, out of, uh, from not mistaken, out of Maryland, drafted by the Houston Rockets. And he had his battles and his issues that he went through with the organization um, as far as personal things were concerned. 
Kevin Porter has been through a lot in his life at such an early age. He, you know, everyone knows his story. Everyone knows his, his, his backstory. Everyone knows about his time in Cleveland. And so when he was brought to Houston, John Lucas took him under his wing. Now, it wasn't the best of starts. They had a very rough patch in the beginning because they bumped heads. And that was due to um, a lot of uh, uh, Kevin's situation was he's always been a um, a loner. He And what I mean by loner is he only allowed certain people into his space. And even the people that was inside of his space, he always felt like he had to be the one to fix every problem instead of allowing people to help him fix his problems or his issues or the things that he was going through, especially mentally. And so coming here, you know, it was almost like John Lucas was looking at himself, looking at a younger John Lucas, looking at himself in the mirror at a younger age. And, you know, and I know John has kids. And so John has sons that, that has worked in the NBA and has uh, worked in, in the college ranks. And so I'm not, you know, trying to discredit them as far as his sons, but, Kevin Porter Jr. right now is the closest thing to his son. He loves all the players that he works with, but that's the closest thing to his son because he he knows Kevin's path. And so he is the finished product of what Kevin is going through right now. And so he's trying to deter him from going down a road and trying to keep him on a straight and narrow path because, you know, John has went through, you know, Coach Lucas has went through, a lot, Cody. When I say a lot, there's a lot of backstories that some people can tell you. Him and, uh, as a matter of fact, him and Mark Berman was joking about one the other day that I know about as well. And so, you know, he was just laughing about it. But with Kevin, especially, he's taking him under his wing. Now, what he's done for other players, I mean, you know, we listened to Tari Eason in his press conference talk about how much, you know, he really enjoys working with John Lucas and how much he looked forward to. He said that was one of the things that he was happy about coming to the Houston Rockets was the fact that he would get an opportunity to work with John Lucas. During that same interview and that same clip you showed, um, Jalen Green comes back and and says you know i asked him the question about what john lucas said when john said i don't give Jalen compliments because i expect so much out of him and Jalen said well i expect john to say that because he does expect a lot of me and i don't take it uh i i don't take it as malicious i don't take it as him you know trying to criticize me because he does expect a lot i expect a lot of myself and he brings it out of me so you know with with those just just those Three examples we use with Kevin Porter, Jalen Green, Tari Eason. John has a foothold in the NBA. Players come from all around the the United. Well, people, players come from all around the country because there's overseas players that that want to work with John Lucas as well. And when you have that type of uh, uh, when you have that just from word of mouth, when you have that type of of camaraderie with these players because you think about it you know john said he wanted to he, he he didn't want to do too much coaching head coaching because he wanted to see his 70s and so when you have a a person like john lucas at that age that's still able to relate to players that's 19 20 21 years old that's because the they've seen what he has done with other players they've seen what he's done and john i mean cody you've been around him for a long time you know he doesn't change well Kinda when he get in front of the media, <laughs> you know, he go from from what he is on the court and how he's coaching. Once he got, I was like, "Is this the same John Lucas?" He's like, well, "You know, guys, we have to." And I was like, 
Hey, where Coach Lucas go? So, <laughs> <laughs> so his importance to John isn't just important to the Rockets. John is important to the NBA because there are a lot of players uh, that's in this league. There's a lot of players that's presently playing right now and former players that would tell you, hey, John Lucas saved my life. Hmm. Not just from a basketball aspect, not just teaching me fundamentals, not just helping me improve my jump shot or, or finding a better path to the lane or even playing better defense. John helped me personally talking to me about uh, uh, getting myself together, getting my life together and, and, and talking to me one on one. So he is very, very important, not only to this team, but to the NBA as a whole. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts when we had an opportunity to speak to Stephen Silas on Wednesday, um, you know, Silas was talking about how frustrated he was not being able to be around the team, say he was trying to relax and watch Netflix. He he was mad because he kept failing the COVID test, but um, I had asked him, you know, even though he was frustrated, did you have a, a sense of comfort knowing that your team was with John Lucas? And he said 100% that he you know, trust John and, and he was happy that, you know, even though he wasn't around, he knew that the team was still going to be um, doing everything that they were supposed to do just because John Lucas is there as his lead assistant coach. So, you know, I just wanted to take a moment right now just to speak on John Lucas, because like I mentioned, Sarge, I really didn't understand how important he has been to not just the Houston Rockets, but as you mentioned to the game of basketball, to the NBA, uh, until the last couple of weeks, you know, and I just felt it was really important for us to talk about that and give him his flowers now. So, John, if you ever run across this, we we, we love you, man. We rooting for you. And um, oh, just we, I'll make sure. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. But coming up on the other side of the break, we just finished talking about John Lucas. Uh, we just finished talking about Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, um, um, Tari Eason, of course, Coach Steven Silas. The Houston Rockets, we know they are not in a running for a Larry O'Brien trophy, which, I mean, if that happens, I don't think we'll be angry about that. I don't think nobody outside the city of Houston would be. But we talked about how John Lucas is important to this organization. And the one thing I know for sure, whether it's John, Jalen, KPJ, Silas, whatever, they, whoever, they are not trying to lose games on purpose to get their hands on Victor Wimbiyama. We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break on this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets. And I am getting so sick and tired of hearing fans talk about tanking for Victor Wimbiyama. I understand it, ladies and gentlemen. I get it. Um, when you take a look at Victor you know, a lot of people call him the best prospect since LeBron James 20 years ago. Um, some people say that if him and LeBron and Michael Jordan was in the same draft class, he Victor would go number one, which if I have to choose, I'm not picking Victor number one out of those two guys. Um, and I understand, you know, since the departure of James Harden, you know, the Rockets have seen a lot of hardships. I mean, this is an organization who has recorded a record of 37 and 116 over the last two years. And I understand that is very bad. Um, and we really don't know what to expect from this organization as we head closer to the 2022-2023 campaign next week. However, 
I want to tell the fans out there, I wrote about it on Sports Illustrated, and I want to talk about it here on Believe in the Rockets, that the Houston Rockets, this version of the Houston Rockets, are not in the running for ping pong balls. They do not have their mindset on Victor Wimbiyama. Now, of course, realistically speaking, we know there are like two, maybe three teams right now that's trying to do everything possible to get their hands on Victor. One team, just go down I-10 West in San Antonio. That's probably one team. Another team probably got to take Southwest United, fly to closer to the West Coast and, you know, get dropped off in Salt Lake City. You know, I'm pretty sure those two teams are in a running to try to get Victor. But Brian, I don't know about you, but the Rockets are not in a position where they're trying to lose games on purpose, trying to make sure they get as many ping pong balls as possible in order to get their hands on Victor. First of all, you call me by my government name, and I thought that I was like, what's going on here? That's the first thing. No, but um, okay, so. I'm 50 years old. I don't mind telling people that. I'll say it. Um, you know, I was having this conversation um, uh, during a commercial break yesterday with uh, with ND um, on, on his show in the trenches. I said people don't realize that 1992 was 30 years ago, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the year you were born, right, Cody? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you told me. And I'm like, I, I, there's no way I can mistake it. <laughs> yeah, so you know that 1992 was was 30 years ago. So I, I, I prefaced my statement by saying my age and, you know, how long ago that was to say that I didn't grow up in an era where people would think about quitting so early. You know, I heard from the Texans, some, some, not all, I heard from some Texans fans and now I'm hearing it from some Rockets fans and I'm like, the season hasn't even started. They were talking about tanking, but after the, but I'm sorry, before the first preseason game. Hey, man, we should tank for this guy. Tank. Like, the season hasn't even started yet. We don't we don't even know what this group of Tata Washington, Jabari Smith Jr., and Tari Eason is going to be mm-hmm. for, you know, for the Rockets yet. Like, let's see them play one NBA regular season game first before you start talking about tanking. I did not grow up in an era where – Nobody was. It doesn't matter who you know. What it doesn't matter what team you play for, what team you root for. You always want them to win. Winning is the it, it, winning cures all. I know that, but you also got to be able to compete. You also got to be able to have that that intestinal fortitude to want to compete. And it bothers the hell out of me to read some of these things on Twitter about tanking for this young man. Now, don't get me wrong. This young man is is the product of if you were playing 2K and you built a man <laughs> all 99s. Yes. <laughs> now my 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 really good friend Jamal, God rest his soul, man. My, my, my one of my best friends. He used to do that back in the in the in the two thousands when we, we all did. We I know I did. Yeah, I and- had I had one. His name was A B B L. Don't ask me why was that. I just randomly typed some letters, and that's when it came out. He played for the Seattle Supersonics, and in my heart, it's not Kobe, not LeBron, not Joe. That's the greatest player of all time. Hey, look, it's so funny because because uh, my, my best friend, he was diehard Rockets fan, diehard Rockets fan. So of course, black uh, black swish is what he called him. Black <laughs> swish. 
played for the Houston Rockets. Seven for all 99s. Yes, sir. And so, I, I, look, this kid reminds me a lot of Black Swish. <laughs> it isn't too many things that he cannot do on the court. And if the Rockets happen to get him because they had another bad season, that's something you don't want to see, but he would be an added addition here. Now, side note, it's a fine line with walking here, Cody, because if they're in position to get this young man, because I can't pronounce his name, they're in a position to get Victor, right? Yeah, Victor. (laughs) If they're in a position to get Victor, then, like on the flip side, that means that Coach Silas may not be here next year, the following year to coach him. So mm-hmm. now you got to bring in a whole new coach that has to get used to coaching Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., Alperin Shingun, Ta- Tata Washington, Tari, Jabari, and Victor. And now he has to implement a whole new system. So how long is that rebuild going to take? Mm-hmm. See, a lot of people don't think about the other aspect of the, the tanking part. The tanking involves a rebuild. If you're if you're tanking, that means your team is is terrible. That means your team is horrible. And mm-hmm. adding adding that one player is not going to take you from being uh, uh, the, one of the worst teams in the NBA to all of a sudden winning a, uh, a NBA championship in the next two years. I mean, you think about it. Look how long it took the Chicago Bulls. Once they got Michael Jordan, they still they had still to look like they rebuild No, right? They went through a rebuilding process. Look at when LeBron James first came into the league. That's a, a, a rebuilding process. I mean, we can talk about uh, Nikola Jokic, you know, the Joker, who has won back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken, back-to-back NBA MVPs, right? Mm-hmm. And Denver is still rebuilding, right? And, and what I mean by rebuilding is they're still trying to get themselves together. They've had injuries. So it just because you add a player, you get – uh, uh, a generational talent doesn't mean it's going to automatically take you to the top. It's still going to take some time. So these fans that are calling for the, the Rockets to tank to get this young man, are you willing to still wait another three or four years <laughs> before this team is good again? Are you are you willing to wait to, to when this if this young man comes to Houston, are you willing to wait to go through another coaching change, maybe another general manager change? There's definitely going to be some changes that's going to have to come uh, to the player personnel because if you're bringing him in, that means you got to ship one or two other people out uh, mm-hmm. that's already on your team, that's exactly. already acclimated. So are you willing to lose Tari Easton? Are you willing to lose uh, Jabari Smith Jr.? Like. There, there are you willing to lose Shin Goon, his who is the fan favorite? There is going to be some drawbacks to you tanking to try to get this young man. So, no, no possible way can I see like, and I'm just flat out like it just, I'm just flat out pissed off by the people saying, Hey, let's tank for Victor, let's tank for Victor. Now, what I will say is, there's a young man that sits behind Victor in that second spot. Sheesh. <laughs> Scoot, and I ain't talking about Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs> Scoot Hendricks, oh my God. Like, I like Victor. Do not get me wrong. I like Victor and everything he can do. I don't know if, if Victor got that, that same mentality that, like, you know what? It's like the year, it's like two years ago when the Houston Rockets had the second overall pick, and then you're looking at Kate Cunningham and, and, uh, and Jalen Green, and you're like, Oh, I can't go wrong picking either one of these guys. Yeah, so, but, but let's just say one 
has a little bit more dog in him, and that one that had that dog in him, I mean, he's representing the team that we're talking about right now. <laughs> exactly. So, no, I don't believe in tanking for him at all, period. Yeah, and look, when, when, when people talk about tanking, you know, it would have been different if the Rockets had no type of foundation, no type of stability in place. And when I hear people, you know, say the Rockets should tank, first and foremost, I'm saying that's disrespectful to this organization and what they have built. Because, Sarge, you just finished talking about Tari Eason. You just finished talking about Jalen Green. But what about Jabari Smith Jr.? Like, I really do believe that general manager Raphael Stone and Coach Steven Silas has done a terrific job, not only getting talent, but making sure that talent is is a great fit. And I tell people this all the time. Yes, I do believe, like... Paolo Bancaro is like, he got that dog in him. But even going into the draft, I was hoping some type of way the Rockets would have had an opportunity to draft Jabari Smith Jr. Because I always said that he was the best combination of both fit and talent. And when I took a look at what the Rockets needed on the defensive side of the court, he would have been a better prospect than Paolo because Paolo, I think you and I was talking to Kelly Eco one time and Kelly was saying something about, yeah, if they would have got Paolo, they would have been averaging like 125 points, but they would have been giving up like 130, 140 on a nightly basis. But I say all that just to say that the Rockets actually have a foundation that, that as reporters, as fans, as, you know, team personnel, we have to give this team an opportunity to see how good they're going to be because, Sarge, I don't know about you, but when I go back and listen to everything that Solace, Green, Porter, Shingun, like everything everybody had to say after the end of last season, this is a team that wants to win. This is a team that wants to get better. And I 100% agree with them. Like I mentioned, this is an organization – and. It comes, you know, when you hitting the, the the reset button on the rebuild. You're gonna have a record of 37 and 116 over the over the previous two years. But at some point, you have to take a step forward because if you keep saying, "Oh, let's take for this guy," then in the next two years, "Oh, let's take for this guy," then in the next two years, "Oh, let's take for take for this guy," you're gonna end up like the Sacramento Kings, who's been tanking over for almost 20 years or whatever the case might be. Yeah, exactly. They're still taking. So it's like you, you don't want to end up like that organization. But the one issue that concerns me about Victor, of course, he's this 7-2 prospect, uh, unicorn or whatever the case might be. I'm knocking on wood because I don't want this to happen. But I am concerned about once he gets into the NBA, I am concerned that we might I don't I, I I'm hoping that he doesn't go down like Bill Walton, Ralph Sampson, Greg Oldham, and Yao Ming. The Houston Rockets had two of those big men that I just talked about, and all four of those big men could literally been a top 10, top 15, top 20 big men of all time. But by being a unicorn at their size, they went down with, with, with lower leg injuries. And, and of course, in Yao Ming and, and, and Bill Walton case, both of those guys sustained devastating foot injuries that cut their career short. Now, I get it. I understand it. The medical help, the, the medical um, science has is, is advanced 20 years ago when we lost Yao. You know, about 30, 40 years ago, we lost the majority of these players in terms of Bill Walton and Ralph Sampson. But as you saw with Chet Holmgren just a couple months ago, when you are that big, you are that talented, and if you are that type of unicorn, 
injuries may play a role in it. I think the only person that's had that's basically been able to avoid that theory has been Kevin Durant. And I, I want to say it's a good but bad thing at the same time. Like this is a man who has only been injured twice, but both of those times were devastating. Could have been career altering injuries, but I mean, it's Kevin Durant at the end of the day. But I say all that just to say, you know, I don't want to see the Rockets tank for a guy that once he tried to start playing 82 games. I mean, hell, we just heard Jabari Smith Jr. said on Wednesday he's dealing with an ankle injury as of right now. You know, it's a long season, 82 games. His top priority is to be healthy. I say all that just to say you don't want to get a guy in Victor who isn't used to playing five games in seven days and with his stature and everything else and what he needs to do on the court, what he has to do on the court. You don't want to be in a situation where it's Ralph Sampson and Yao Ming 3.0. And I say 3.0 because this will be the third time that this organization went out, got a, got a, got a unicorn, you know, and Yao and Ralph Sampson, you get a unicorn and in the next five to six years, you're still talking about, man, if he can only stay healthy. That's just a concern of mine that I've always saw in big men who is being touted as like a generational talent. And I look at it like this. There was some, you know, those examples that you gave earlier. um, I I can see, I can see where, where some pushback could come from because we, you know, those guys that you named were outside of Kevin Durant it was nothing like what Victor is. Those guys were big men. Those guys were in, in the paint. Those guys were taking a lot of punishment in the paint. Here's a young man that can, you know, who doesn't spend a lot of time playing in the paint, who is a wing player, you know. Um, I, I look at him as, and and one of the examples that I would have used would have probably been Christoph Porzingis, you know. That's another one. And he's yeah. been dealing with injuries ever since he came into the league. That's another one. I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, and, and so when you look at those those type of players, if we just remove the 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 players that you named earlier with the Yao Ming's and the Ralph Sampson's and the uh, Bill Walters, if we just you know push them to the side for a second, hell, even you can even talk about Shaq, you just just push them to the side for just one second. I think that one of the problems that those guys dealt with, but that this young man is going to have an issue with, is he's not finished growing yet. And by him not finished growing yet, uh, I'm going to use an example. My 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 youngest son, uh, his from his freshman to sophomore year, he grew three inches in a summer, right? Well, in the midst of him doing that, he had very bad knee issues because his body was growing, his body was growing faster than his body was developing, right? And so that caused him to have a lot of a lot, a lot of pain and a lot of injury because his body hadn't caught up to it yet. Well, that was one of the things that happened with Yao Ming as well. You know, as big as Yao Ming was, his Yao Ming was still kind of growing. Even at that age, he was still growing because Yao Ming comes from a very tall family. So he was still growing. I mean, you look at and let's just use Manuk Bowl, for example. And I and I'm not talking about from a skill set standpoint, I'm just talking about from a physical standpoint, you're talking about these guys who are, you know, in, considered giants pretty much that once you get over that seven, one, seven, two range, you start to think about, you know, especially at, at such a young age, they're still growing. So I would love to have that generational talent, generational talent of Victor on my team. 
But I also need to know from a medical standpoint, okay, he's going to continue growing because he's what, 7'2 right now? Mm hmm. Seven two. I mean, he even made Rudy Gobert look short, but he did. So, they took a picture, and it is oh. he nineteen to twenty years old right now. Um, I think he's nineteen. So think about it. Who? Oh, he's eighteen. He don't make nineteen until January fourth. Okay, so he's eighteen years old, right? So and he still has at least one or two more growth spurts in him. So this young man could potentially be seven four, seven five. Like, and I'm being serious. Some people are gonna be like, "Man, ain't no damn way he could be seven five. Well, hey, Jabari, within from when we last saw him doing summer league to just speaking to him on Wednesday, he has grown another inch. And he's nineteen. And he's nineteen. He so 19. it's really possible that when you draft these young prospects, they can still be. Growing, I think Kobe into the league at 6'4 and he finished at 6'6. Six, six. So, exactly. I was about to say this. And I, I, I like, sorry, I, I'm not lying to you. Yesterday, Wednesday, we were talking to Jabari Smith. I was standing there like, this man has grown. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even think I can see his face anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so now imagine, right? So now imagine if this young man grows two to three more inches once he gets into the league. And I understand that, like you said, they have state of the art. Uh, technology right now from the when you're talking about uh, the medical side of the house with the, with these NBA franchises, but that ain't got that that's not going to be able to stop his pain or stop him from having. So how long do you actually have him? It's when you especially when you're trying to develop him. Not only that, mm -hmm. even though he is a wing player, and even though he is a wing player, he doesn't have the frame to be able to withstand a lot of that. You know that that. How can I put that? That physical abuse that he'll take from other players. That's the one thing that I do respect about. Now, and I'm not just saying this because Kevin Durant is my favorite player in the NBA right now, has been for a long time. But that if he can learn from Kevin Durant how to avoid contact, then he could make it. Because Kevin Durant mm. avoids contact like no other, right? He 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 ain't look. He ain't running in there like Giannis to get <laughs> up and continue to play. No, he's not doing that. So if he can learn from that, but if he can't, man, you're going to talk about players who are going to be taking their shots, especially players who are like who those players who are on those 10-day contracts, those players who, you know, are playing for a contract. So I just – I'm hoping that this once this young man gets into the NBA, he doesn't sustain any type of injuries like that. But if I'm a GM, I'm looking saying – how much what's his growth spurt going to be like and once he goes through that how long am i going to have him out yeah and i'm glad that you brought that up and listen as viewers out there trust me i'm not wishing injury or anything on this young man but once again when you take a look at you know the these these players who as you just alluded to sars once you reach a certain height it's always seemed like they're dealing with a lot of injuries and stuff and that's just Basically, the only concern I have uh, looking at him as a as a draft prospect because, boy, I mean, is there anything on the court that this young man cannot do? Um, and of course, I'm I'm wishing and hoping that he does have a very wonderful career. Um, Wait, but at Cody. the same time, hold on. Let's just say that the Rockets are able to get him. Well, if the Rockets are able to get him, I'm all for it. But what I'm not all for is this team tanking. Not tank. I understand that part. I understand. And by the way, by the way, ain't this is one of the years where we have a a, a a draft pick from the Nets, and if they implode like they probably will, and they end up with like the third worst record in the league, which they probably well, I ain't gonna say they probably will, but I'm they just won't. saying like they you won't. know, 
I'm just saying, you never know. You never know. I mean, they, you they know, won't, but they got more than one maybe, first round draft pick to play here. <laughs> you could pack, maybe you could package up some things, but could you imagine if they were able to put KPJ? Look, I don't know why I keep going over these these uh scenarios of these lineups. KPJ, Jalen Green, Victor at the three, Jabari <laughs> at the four, and Alpie at the five. My God. Hey, look, if it yes. happens, it look, if it happens, I mean, oh. there is nothing that any I don't think nobody would be mad. Like I would already be buying. Listen, I would already be buying a spot for the parade right outside, <laughs> right here on the branch. Well, we, like, oh. we ain't gotta buy no spot. We automatically gonna be there because we PCB boys. No. Uh, how you say? No, look, 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 we PCB, of course. But I'm gonna need to be somewhere where I can drink. I don't need because <laughs> I'm gonna be like, man, oh man. I'm talking about for multiple championships. Mm, mm, mm. Well. If it happens, man, like I said, I, w- I wouldn't be mad at it. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to give this 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 young team led by Coach Silas, you know, assisted by Coach John Lucas um, and the young core that they have. You know, this team can really be something special. And like I like I keep mentioning, you know, in order for the Rockets to have a successful rebuild, they have to continue moving, not hitting a reset button every two to three years just because there's this generational talent. So with that being said, that's going to conclude another. Oh, go ahead. One more thing I got. Fix my hat. I'm going to rant for like two, two, like less than two minutes. Wow. I think I told my wife that one time. Hey, but look, I want to rant for less than two minutes, right? Real quickly. Hey, uh, Rockets fans, right? The season hasn't started yet. They have one more preseason game against Indiana Pacers. They start next week. Cody and I will be in attendance at the season opener against the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. Correct? Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, let me tell y'all what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go back and forth with you all after every game. And I'm not going to go back and forth with you all about trading a player or benching a player after one game. Oh my God, bro! You would swear that they are ready. Like after the last game against Miami, Trey Shingun, we don't need him no more. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, man, we don't need Shingun no more. Get him out of here! And I'm saying to myself, what? Even to the point where Coach Silas had to answer questions. And first of all, he's like, I wasn't even here. That's the first thing. <laughs> Second thing is these are still look, Cody. These are young men that are playing in their first year or their second year. Shingun has only been into – he's entering into his second year. <laughs> they, the Houston Rockets have a very young team. So, no, we're not going to trade everybody who has a bad game after one game. We're not going to bench every player that has a bad game after one game. We're not going to fire Coach Silas if he has one or two bad games with this young group of – uh, with this group of young, talented players that he has. No, we're not going to put um, Jalen Green on the bench to be a six-man and get empty buckets. We ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. That is a direct shot at that young man who made that statement. I'm gonna not going to say his name because I'm not going to give him that type of publicity on here. But I will say this. We are not doing that this year. 
Let this team play. Let these kids, because these young men, they're still kids considered it by NBA standards. Let them play without the criticism of somebody who was playing JV as a senior. And with that being said, that concludes another installment of Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And you can follow me at uh, Big Star Sports with a Z at the end on Twitter, and you can see all of my great articles <laughs> on Rockets Wire USA today. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.